0: Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X Face your fears and make your life count. Hey, it's your boy JC.
1: And Dr. Cable.
0: And welcome to episode 57 of the Dream 10x podcast. Look at us go, 57.
1: 57. Uh,
0: This is the March edition of the March 2023 edition of the Dream 10x blog. And uh, I guess vlog, Mm -hmm. video log Mm -hmm. that we also do. We we have all three (laughs) components. And this week we are going to talk again about one of the books written by Dr. Paul Zare. If you recall last December... We reviewed one of the books that Dr. Capel recommended that I read uh, called Chasing Captain America. Mm-hmm. So I read that book and caught up with her and we, we talked a little bit about that book. And And uh, this week we're talking about Chasing Batman, also written by Dr. Paul Zaire. And this one's a little bit different than Chasing Captain America. Um, Ch- Chasing Captain America was more technical mm-hmm. from a bio, synthetic biology, kind of biohacking perspective. Biohacking type of perspective and how to create a superhuman. And chasing Batman is more about how to uh, put pressure and stress on a regular human body to turn it into a superhuman type of capability, like Batman. Batman didn't have the superpowers like Superman or Captain America or some. Of the, who are some other comic? The whole, you know, some of these <laughs> other magnificent characters. His superpowers
1: was, being rich.
0: <laughs> super, one of his superpowers was definitely being rich, yeah. And Alfred was a big component oh, of, yeah, of what mentor. he was able to do. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the key takeaways we each had from reading this book since she read it first. She read all of Dr. Paul Zaire's books first and then she recommended it to me. So, I'm still catching up. So, this is the second book in this in, uh, Is it a series? I, I couldn't yeah. get it. Well, this is
1: actually the first book he wrote, but second like oh, book that you read. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: okay. Uh, and then the third one that you read was on which uh, Iron thing? Man. Iron yep. Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I want to read that at some point. But right now, um, I just finished reading the Philip K. Dick book, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, And this is the book. This is the book that the movie Blade Runner was based mm-hmm. on. Uh, I love this book. It was so good. and I love we we just watched Blade Runner the other night again. And I just talked through the whole movie like comparing <laughs> yeah, that wasn't in the book. Hey.
1: <laughs> so I experienced what he experiences of me when we watch, you know, superhero movies. I'm like that wasn't in the comic, so yeah.
0: <laughs> so that was a lot of fun comparing the two and mm-hmm. just wow. Rutger Hauer. I mean every time Amazing. I see anyway, we'll talk about that book uh, next episode. And now I'm currently reading uh, The Hard Things About The Hard Thing About Hard Things by uh, Mr. Horowitz, Ben Horowitz, uh, another great book. So I'm looking forward to reviewing that as well. So, Becoming Batman. What Dr. Capel, what did you, what'd you take away from this book?
1: I love this book for a lot of reasons. I of know. One. <laughs> one, because he takes like the normal <clears throat> human... And then says how he became Batman. So it's like, this is what would happen if Batman didn't do these things and how he would be, you know, just average Joe like the rest of us. But here's what he did do to become those things. So I really liked the comparison. And that was helpful for me to, like, rationalize through. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway, though, was the broad spectrum of learning the Batman had to go through, both mm-hmm. from physical and mental skills. So, I mean, he's... I'm going to quote Paul Zaire here. He's a NASCAR driver, a super strong fighter, an acrobat, skilled in free climbing and parkour. It's impossible to master all of those things, uh, it, but you can be you know, broad spectrum. Um, it's why marathon runners look different than powerlifters. And that's both on a psychological level as well as a physical level, because you have to have different skills to be able to do that and different strengths. Mm. So I really, I really like the fact that it's more broad spectrum. <clears throat> versus yeah exactly um versus really really good at one thing Mm. so you don't have to be the best you just have to have that general knowledge and be skilled at the general knowledge and practice a lot and to get to that conscious competence so one of the things i thought was really interesting that uh he talks about is when you learn the skills and with batman he tried really hard not to kill people Mm. and I, i did martial arts for many years way back in the day and it's it's hard to learn that control. It's hard not to kill people. It's hard not to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you a story in a second. But um, you have to really live that control and deploy your punches mm. and to come just to touch. But with, and it's a, and when you're in an amygdala hijack or when you're in that power struggle with your life actually being on the line, being able to have the mental strength to pull your punches and not kill somebody must just be amazing. So he yes, did practice- Yes, thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> he did practice over and over <laughs> and over again, and I thought that was pretty amazing, <clears throat> yeah, that broad discipline. Um, so I went to, as a kid, I did martial arts, and I went to the Junior Olympics three years in a row, and the last year, um, I had this really badass spinning.
0: Well, wait, what was your what was your skill, what was your art?
1: I did, you do, do both kata, which is the forms, as well as fighting, so you do both. But
0: what, like? Judo or karate?
1: Oh, so um, and I'll guess so I'll get to that. So. Right. <laughs> um, so, the last year that I went, I had this really badass spinning back fist, and that's where you you're in a fighting stance, you turn around and you back fist. I had absolutely zero control over this. I had great aim, zero control, and it's something within me that when my um, <laughs> when I was not in my prefrontal cortex, when I was in my amygdala, that it would just come out. And so my, uh, my senseis would be like, do not throw this because you're going to get disqualified in the fight. You're, you're going to get disqualified. Just just keep your shit together. <laughs> like, okay, okay, I got this. So I'm in the middle of the fight. What do I do? My amygdala takes over. Spin around, backfist her. She drops. She's out outconscious. She's
0: unconscious.
1: She, <laughs> she's out <laughs> out cold. Like, out cold, whatever. <laughs> um, they made me go sit. You weren't allowed to do knockouts in the Junior Olympics. It was just touch only point. So I had to go huh. sit in the naughty corner for a while, and she did get up and wanted to continue fighting, so I didn't get disqualified. Um, I did win the match, <laughs> so that was good. But it was that. Um, so, I, again, I really appreciate Batman being able to control that and every movement when you're in that fight-or-flight state. Now, I did mm-hmm. find out after my senseis were like, yeah, that was a hell of a shot! <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> but when you get knocked out like that, that's a concussion, right? Does that qualify as a concussion? You know. And Zara points out that you have a limited number of those, yeah. <laughs> otherwise you start to really suffer brain damage or whatever. Oh, great. You
1: know, so. Well, hopefully she doesn't find anybody else like me after that, but um, so it was good. But one of the things that really helped me as a martial artist train was I started out in Shorenru, and... Uh, is, and that like is that like karate? Yeah, it that? is. It's Okinawa specific karate, so from Okinawa, and... Um, So I did that for many years and then we moved to Saudi. So so I learned to do that and then we moved to Saudi Arabia and they didn't have Shornuru there, they had Shotokan. So I was able to, and it's not wildly different, but it is different. So I was able to diversify my style and become a better martial artist because I learned very different techniques. Mm. Now, um, within that, my kicks were not very great. And so um, they partnered with me with a Taekwondo sensei, Pete Murphy, who, hi, Pete, (laughs) Uh, Taekwondo sensei, so I could learn better kicks and even more styles and uh, be able to, and I became a much better fighter by doing all those different techniques. And that's exactly, so I was becoming Batman, right? Because that's what he did. He didn't do one thing. He had to focus on weapons and being able to do the throws. Um, so we focused on the ninja styles. For mm. close range, he learned Aikido. Uh, the middle range, perhaps shorin Shotokan. And then for the grounding, more Judo type. So he was able to diversify himself to be the very best fighter that he could be. Mm. So with that intentional diversity of learning, I find that really good, especially to bring it back to today's world, that we really need that. We need to be more generalists who are able to... Manage in any situation at any point, given the circumstances we're in.
0: Mm. There's a great quote from Robert Heinlein mm-hmm. that says, "Specialization is for insects." Yes. And so, I really like that quote relative to this. Like, that, that, that's Dinner's our ready. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> salivating. <laughs> but yeah, uh, having a broad set of skills and, and also be able to deep dive in, in that whole broad spectrum of your toolkit. Mm-hmm. Totally. Interesting. Yeah. Please visit our sponsor Viking Rose at VikingRose.com. Viking Rose provides free indoor rowing challenges to frustrated Vikings. Challenge yourself by rowing around Cape May Island or doing the Head of the Charles Regatta or even rowing from the Canary Islands to Antigua. All you have to do is connect your Concept 2 PM5 Bluetooth monitor up to your computer, laptop, or Android device for automatic workout tracking and logging. That's Viking Rose at Vikingrose.com.
1: Yeah, I like that. So and with all of this, you have to have sleep for your body to recover.
0: Right. Nice segue. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I let you talk, it's pretty <laughs> easy.
1: <laughs> Go figure. But well,
0: I'm not mansplaining things to you. <laughs> So sleep, yeah, so Batman had to do learn so many different things, and uh, he had to get really good at all those different things. And on top of all of that training that he was doing, he was working at night fighting the criminal element in Gotham City. So where does a Batman find time to do all those things and get quality sleep? Mm-hmm. Uh, In one of the comic issues, it it states that Batman didn't need the full five to ten hours of sleep that regular humans need because he could somehow lower his metabolism and his heart rate down so low that he only needed one hour of sleep a night to get the quality sleep that everybody else needs. So Dr. Zare points out that this is one point where the mythology of Batman and uh, reality diverge because all humans, all biological humans, I guess, need at least five to ten hours of quality sleep.
1: Mm-hmm. And How much do so- you get a night? <laughs>
0: As an entrepreneur, yeah, I, 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 that, that's one of my big takeaways from this book. I really focused on that because, uh, of course, I know that sleep is very important. But just to reiterate the importance of it uh, and how lack of sleep it actually raises your cortisol levels because that's uh, imposes an unnatural stress on you and it screws up your metabolism and it can do all kinds of you know stuff to to your body when you don't get the right amount of sleep. And as an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm just trying to drive as hard as I can to do as much as I can, Mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, just to survive (laughs) at this point, much less try to grow a company. And so you, you tend to like, uh, make sleep less of a priority. And, um, so after reading this, I'm, you know, rethinking that Mm -hmm. and trying to make sleep more of a priority, but I still, when I'm not in the rowing season, which is right now, it's you know fall and winter time is non-rowing season. I try to stay up as late as possible, like three or four in the morning. And of course, I get up a little bit later, but uh, I, I work until I like working late at night, and you know it's quiet and I'm getting stuff done. She never bugs me anyway, but I just I'm a night owl because my mom was a night owl, so I've got that in me. But when rowing season turns around comes around, it's a totally different ball game because I got to get up and. What well, four thirty? Four fifteen? Yeah, four fifteen. So we gotta leave the house. Four fifteen. We gotta, leave. we gotta gotta yeah. be on the water, and so I have to like really switch off my cycle or switch on to a different cycle, and it gets really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. But for a number of years, that's what I've done. We've gotten used to that. So, yeah. but anyway, sleep. Um, so synchronistically, uh, I, I you know scrolling through Twitter, I saw uh, somebody had posted a, a tweet on a, a video of Hitler. At the 36, or mm-hmm. whatever it was, the Berlin game. Yeah, yeah. And he's like rocking back and forth. He looks like he's got he's got autism or something. And everybody else around him is just kind of quietly, you know, still watching the games. And a lot of people were saying, well, it's a sped up video and it's it's doctored. But a lot of the comments were saying, no, actually, the Germans were hyped up on drugs during World War II. A lot of really? them. And, and come to that. find out, you know, searching for more information on that, I, I got kind of intrigued about that. And sure enough, I think it's historically accurate that it was a thing during World War II that they were experimenting with cocaine yeah. and methamphetamine and all kinds of different drugs, trying to primarily combat the need, our body's need for sleep. Because mm. if soldiers don't need to sleep, then they can keep pushing through mm-hmm. 24/7. Uh, you know, if they need to get from point A to point B, there's it's not a logist- not as much as a, a logistical problem if they don't need to sleep and stop uh, along the way. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it turns out that um, they actually issued millions and millions of methamphetamine pills to the German soldiers Mm. prior to a big battle in the Ardennes forest where they were coming down into France. and. Um, I, I, I'll put a link in the blog post about this. There's an NPR uh, podcast that talks, there's an author who wrote about the German use of drugs during World War II for, to combat sleep, these methamphetamines or whatever. And uh, they, he pointed out that it, during that battle of the Arden Forest, one of the reasons the Germans won, uh, be, because they were using methamphetamine to push through and not have to sleep during that three-day trek through, mm-hmm. the, through the mountain pass or whatever, um, counterbalance that, that their effort to take methamphetamine and, and push through was counterbalanced with the French drug of choice which was red wine <laughs> and I thought that was really like interesting <laughs> and that was actually a thing during World War I the, the French government yeah. said hey look, we need to you know provide this as a kind of a drug mm-hmm. to, to our soldiers to keep morale up and all that kind of thing and so it really is a drug war. Yeah, <laughs> it was a drug, a drug war at the time, and of course, the war on drugs has got all kinds of different crazy ways. But anyway, um, so t- and all of that was just to combat sleep because sleep was really an enemy to progress in, in a lot of ways. And so I, I thought that was really interesting. And. and uh, they found this the, these chocolate, they call them panzer chocolates that they found on a lot mm. of the sh- soldiers. And uh, it, it, it was called Pervitin or Pervitine or something like that. Mm-hmm. And basically it was just methamphetamine. And soldiers would just pop those like crazy. However, uh, in the end, in the long run, that tends to create a waking nightmare because you can't. you end up not being able to sleep. Oh, and wow. you just kind of go nuts if you don't get sleep after a while. Yeah. So, in the long run, it actually is a huge detriment to the overall uh, progress and uh, health of your your army and your people or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, maybe in the long run, the red wine is not so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But the other interesting thing is the British got wind of the use of methamphetamines by some down German soldiers and they started using amphetamine and then no American soldiers started using amphetamine and Lord knows what we use today and I used to stay up late in college studying all the time because I'm slow I'm, I'm a slow learner and so I have to push really hard to to get stuff in into my thick brain here but, um, but you're pretty
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so people used to stop in my room and ask if I had any Adderall, or I think it was Adderall. There might have been some other drug they were asking just because, you know, they needed help staying yeah, up. Yeah, and, and it, they thought you were using that. Yeah, I never even heard it. I just, <laughs> I just drank coffee like crazy, you well. know. <laughs> I drank so much coffee at college. But yeah, I didn't even... So that was kind of my first yeah. whiff of, oh, I could be taking something to help me stay awake and, mm-hmm. and maybe perform better, but... Mm. But yeah, I think, my, so my takeaway from all of this discussion is that, you know, these metha, you definitely don't want to take methamphetamine because in the long run, it's not going to work, or amphetamines. Um, and, and really, the best antidote for uh, optimal performance is just getting, you know, 5 to 10. I don't do well with 5 or 6. I have, I really, I think my sweet spot is 7 to 10, 7 yeah. to 10 hours of sleep. Yeah. And getting that is really, really difficult. But yeah. Uh, I don't know I'm gonna keep trying but you know you gotta get stuff done but you gotta sleep so it's a tough balance you gotta gotta figure out how to balance and you gotta learn to prioritize and you gotta be able to just shut it off Mm -hmm. and that takes discipline and I'm working on that discipline I'm getting a little bit better Mm because I just want to keep going but just shut it off and go to bed (laughs) it's hard yeah any other comments on Batman so
1: what I've taken away from this is drink more wine
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is also interesting. Also saw on Twitter today. Synchronistically, this is all, there's all this synchronicity going on with Twitter. But uh, some some bigwigs like Elon Musk and um, Mark Andreessen were tweeting today that alcohol, they're, they're like shunning alcohol because because it messes with your sleep patterns. Mm. And it does. It, wine, like wine and whiskey and stuff, it screws up your. It screws up my sleep patterns for sure. No doubt about it. When I don't, when I don't drink any alcohol the night before and I go to sleep, I have such a better sleep. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. So that's another, that's another thing. Like, man, it's hard. To, I love a good glass of wine. Yeah. But, but you're, you're compromising your sleep, um, probably when you do have that, that whiskey or that, that wine or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, ah, uh, so much discipline you have to have to be superhero. It's too hard. <laughs> so let's enjoy life. <laughs>